Hey guys, welcome to our Coffee with Alan time today. I wanted to talk about uh, a, a word that's been on my mind uh, from the last couple weeks of teaching. And the word is transformation, right? As you can see my face, uh, my facial hair is transformed a little bit. <laughs> but this, this concept of transformation, changing, shifting trajectory, shifting what we do, um, and, and it's as we get into this thought, you know, I taught uh, even even the other day in our teaching, our, our main preaching on on Wednesday night. Uh, this concept that, that really the the whole of, Christ, of of the Christian life can be summed up in that concept of transformation. You know, being transformed from death to life, God changing you, transforming you, and 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 the 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 rest of the Christian life really. The rest of the, after we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we were baptized into the church. And what is God's desire for us? What is, the, what is the Christian life all about? It's all about transformation. It's about growing. It's about transforming. It's about getting better. It's about growing in maturity in our faith, who we are, being more and more transformed in, into the image of Christ, right? It's, it's this whole thing of we were one thing and now we're another thing completely. Like he says in, in first, or I'm sorry, in second, uh, Quran, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, he says, you know, that you are, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That word neo, word for new is neo, meaning new kind. And not just, you know, old and then new. It's this new kind. It's this transformed new uh, that he's talking about here. If you are in Christ, you are a new transformed creation. The old has passed and the new has come. And that's what the whole Christian life is all about. It's it's we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and but you know, but God, rich in mercy, made us alive. So even the the whole you know concept of salvation and getting saved, as we like to say in the church, is going from spiritually dead to spiritually alive uh, in Christ Jesus. This new revelation, this being baptized and and proclaiming our faith, you know, giving our trust completely over to God. Uh, not just that he exists, but actually every decision of our lives and the trajectory of our lives. Everything that we do and are is of Christ. And so um, we see this in, 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 in Colossians, right? When he says, you know, you're dead are these things. You know, consider dead what you know, belongs to the, the old way, the, the earthly nature, the, the physical, fleshly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these God's wrath is coming upon the, the disobedient. And you once walked in these things. You are now, you are living in, the, in them. But now, put, all, put away all these things. Fall, you know, anger, uh, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self. Right? Since you have put off the old self and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is no Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. What does it say? Therefore, as God's chosen one, what who have put off the old and have put on the new, right? What does it say? Put on, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, this, this for me, like speaks transformation all over the place. This is all about, you know, you've put off all these things and you're putting these things out. You know, the, 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 the stinking thinking, like putting them away, you know, because it's not who you are. It, those things, you know, said considered dead. You know, those things are dead. Romans 6 even says, you know, if we have died to sin, how, how are we to continue living in it? It's not an appeal to sin less. It's an appeal to believe that you are sin less, that your entire sin nature has been crucified with Christ, right? And so now, what is life? Life is not about trying to sin less and, and to do, good, do more good things, right? It's, it's trying to transform. It's, it's discovering who you are in Christ. It's, it's now leaning in. It's now discovering how to live who you truly are. It's now living, learning to live your true existence, right? And this transformation transforms us and brings us out of the world around us. It brings us out of the mentality uh, of those around us. It brings us out of our own mentality and continually brings us out of that old mentality. And so a lot, a big element of Luke is this, this concept of transformation, changing, transforming. You were one way, you're now different. You were dead and you're now you're alive. Like you talked about a couple, a few weeks ago with the widow and, and her son, her only son and how he was dead and now he's alive and the whole everyone and everyone gets to party. This whole concept of this, this woman um, who in, in the end of chapter seven, we talked about a couple weeks ago, how she came and she, you know, she came to Jesus. This was probably, again, like I said, probably still in Nain, uh, the same city where she had heard about this guy raising from the dead. And now she comes to Jesus. She has received forgiveness. And that's a very important point that I, that I leaned upon. And I want to you know, talk about again is that she had been forgiven. Jesus had forgiven her had healed her, maybe of an STD. Because remember, she was a, a woman of the city. She was probably, she was a prostitute. And so maybe she had a physical ailment that she had, that he had forgiven, or that he had healed her of and lavished forgiveness upon her, right? Both and, healing and forgiveness, healing and forgiveness. They're so closely intertwined. Uh, that I think we are seeing them just dramatically in this in this passage, you know, talking about the woman um, who had, who came to Jesus at Simon the, Simon the Pharisee's house, lavished her love, was weeping upon his feet, drying her feet, drying his feet with her hair, and just weeping and and pouring out. She broke open the the alabaster jar with with the perfume, um, and she had been forgiven much. And this was a this was a phenomenal and beautiful picture of this dramatic and radical saving, this radical forgiveness in her life. And what did it do to her life? It transformed everything. And do you think that she would have changed? Do you think that she would have gone back to the prostitution? Well, we don't know. I would say most likely not. I think that's one of the, one of the main reasons why Luke follows up with talking about all these women who were following following Jesus. And Jesus was transforming the way that they even operated. He was transforming their thinking about who they were and even, even in that society. Then that society, remember we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, is that, uh, or la- I guess last week, 
was that these women, you know, women in that culture were not valued. Women in that culture could not even give testimony in a court of law. They couldn't you know, operate in any capacity in, in, that, in that arena. And so the fact, and, and also the women didn't follow rabbis. They were not educated. They were not taught the, the, the you know, they were not taught um, uh, um, the Torah, you know, Torah and law and the prophets. They were not taught these things. Only the men were. And so the fact that there were women following Jesus that had been changed, that had been forgiven, that their lives had been transformed, they had been healed. Like I said, Mary Magdalene had been healed. Now, again, I want to say, say this again, that Mary Magdalene is not the prostitute from the ch chapter before. Completely different story altogether. Totally different storyline. Um, but it may have been, like it said here in the end of chapter of, of verse three, and many other and many others, that she, you know, were, were named Susan, Susanna, there in verse three. Shoot, maybe it was Susanna who was the prostitute. Don't know, or men and many other others, many other women who were supporting them, uh, for the disciples and Jesus from their own possessions, right? And so we have this this imagery. So I would I would you know, I would beg to to say. And you know, risked risked saying that the woman who was a prostitute and, and received much forgiveness, and Jesus, and she had come to Jesus and lavished this love and affection upon one upon God who had healed her, who had forgiven her. That I I, I want to suppose to say that she probably followed this. She was probably one of these women that was following Jesus, and that's why Luke follows this story up with you know this narrative of this woman with this section on the women following. That the women were being transformed, the women were being forgiven, the women were being healed, and they have a prominent place, an equal place in the in the people of God, and that's why Paul, that's why uh, Lucas is speaking these things. Remember, this is being written decades after the the all all these things that had happened. That you know, probably easily like tw at least twenty to thirty decades after all these, you know, this this woman had been healed and forgiven. Probably, yeah. Jesus ascended, and and uh, and then Luke wrote his his this gospel much much later. And remember, he's a Gentile, writing about things that reach to Gentiles and appeal to the Gentile heart. And elevating women in that culture was scandalous. The just the fact that women followed Jesus was scandalous in that culture, like we talked about. And so that word transformation. Every time someone came to Jesus, they were immediately transformed. But then if you look at it, look at Peter. Peter's a great example of this, of transformation over the long haul. He was transformed. He followed Jesus. And then even look at the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit was poured out and, Holy, and Peter received the Holy Spirit, and then he preached this, this, this amazing narrative, this amazing story, this amazing you know, uh, recount, this uh, sermon, the first sermon recounted in the book of Acts, um, that Peter's life was radically transformed from being this scared, you know, this, this arrogant little religious fisherman to being this scared disciple, uh, not really knowing what was going to happen after Jesus had been crucified. And even after his resurrection, he didn't really know what to do with that. All the disciples for weeks were still in hiding until the Holy Spirit came. And then they were radical they were transformed. They were changed. And Holy Spirit comes in and he comes into your life and he fills your, your, fills your spirit. Your, he fills you up. You are radically transformed and, and life is dramatically different. And the rest of your trajectory, the rest of your life is radically different and can be even more and more radically different. That's the thing I love about God is that he is 
unknowable. Like, like to say, here's my five-year plan, throw it out the window because it could be, you know, that's, that's us daring to, you know, ask or imagine. And maybe there it is. You don't throw it out the window. You just give it to God and watch him just say, yeah, okay, maybe this, but this, like expanding on this. And you don't even realize the, the power and, the, and the, you know, the imagination of God to transform your life, to radically transform anything you could ever possibly think your future could hold. You don't know what the, five year, the next five years hold. Now you can make a five-year plan, and I would actually challenge you and, and encourage you to make a five-year plan. Make a five, make a 10-year plan and say, this is my five to 10-year plan, God, and then writing it and, and placing it on a piece of paper and shoving it in your Bible saying, God, this is yours. Do with it what you will. I will follow. I will say yes and follow in and, and, and lean into, the, into your yes. And God will, in, will lean into your yes and he will follow up and he will bless that if you continue. You continually ask him to bless that. Continually lay it before him and just, and just watch. Just wait and watch to see what God is going to do. Here's the thing. It's not always what you think. There could be rough times ahead. In our world, we didn't know that, 20, that 2020 was coming. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know that was going to happen. God knew. But God knows that he can take any situation, whether it be good, bad, ugly, joyful, rough, trying, everything shapes us. And he knows the, what, you know, his trajectory for you. It's good. The trajectory is good. It's always good. He says, you know, for God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called, called according to his purposes. That's kind of been a theme verse, you know, Psalm 91 and, and that have been kind of the theme, theme verses, it seems like, of the, last, of the last year or so. But it's like God can, can take everything. He can handle your sorrow. He can handle your frustration. He can handle your confusion because he's the one that sees. And that's why we can lean into him and trust him even when stuff hits the fan in our lives. Even when things don't go the way that we want them to do or anticipated or desired them to go. We don't think, we don't know, we don't believe. It's, there's times where it, it takes a lot more faith to believe that God really, truly wants our good. Because all we can see is bad. All we can see is the boulder in, in front of us. Um, but God can, can plant that seed deep within, find the good soil and split and break apart that boulder. Uh, like we talked about in our, our teaching on, on Wednesday. Um, which we'll talk more about next week in our Coffee with Alan. But think about that word transformation. Lay your, lay your plans before him. Make plans and lay them before him and be flexible because God's got better plans. And even if God is, is, is leading you to make that five-year plan, this is the dreams that, you're, that he's put on your heart. These are the things that he's like, hey, here's the things that I want to do. And maybe he's giving you a clue about his five years for your life. And he's like, oh, just wait. Here, okay, here's a little taster. Uh-huh. Watch. You know. <laughs> and so don't be afraid. Things may happen. Things may change. Things may not go the way that you want them to do, want them to go, or anticipate them going. But God's got a God's got a plan. God's got a trajectory. And it's good. And here's the thing, even if so here's the thing, is it's not just about you. It's not just about your life. It's about him and his glory. It's about God's glory in the on this earth. It's about God's glory in your life about flourishing your life so that he gets glory, about bringing you joy so that you, so he gets glory. And when God gets glory, we get more joy, right? This is the whole, whole purpose of our life. Like as, 
as the Westminster Confession of Faith and John Piper say, is the whole the chief end of man is to glorify God and or by enjoying Him forever. God's glory is all is is God's focus, and so the way that He will shape and transform your life is for His glory, and guess what, our joy. And that doesn't mean our happiness. It means our joy, deep-seated joy, because we are in Christ. And if we are in Christ, what does he say? We are a new kind of creation. The old has passed. The new has come. We have put off the old. You know, the old things are dead. And now we're putting on the new. We're, we're discovering the new and, and changing. Right? That word, change your mind. Metanoia, we usually transform, translate it as repent. It's this change your mind, change your trajectory, change your thinking, and align yourself with God. Align yourself with His desire for you. Align yourself with His heart and you'll and just watch as god gets glory and you get joy that's why we transform that is the the reason for the christian life and that's why we invite others to join into the christian life because it's not a not a life of do's and don'ts and laws and it's about cultivating the soil soil of your life to experience his glory and more and more joy more as you as you see the fruit of the spirit being being grown grown in your life So I hope that's been encouraging uh, this week. And so we will see you next week on Coffee with Alan. Bye.